Welcome, listeners, to the seventh episode of the Benicia Historical Museum Quarantine Camelcast. Sadly, this is probably my final time in one of these, at least for the time being. Next week, I'll be going back to the East Coast to start my senior year at Yale. Joining me is, of course, Elizabeth, the executive director here. Well, Dean, I'm sorry that this is your last hurrah, so to speak. I've really enjoyed this. I've learned a lot, and I know that our listeners have also, and I've received many compliments, many likes, etc. about this podcast series. Well, thank you for doing these with me. It's been a great experience and hopefully an educational one for everyone, giving us a little bit of their time in this very crazy summer. It's definitely not what I had planned, but I found it rewarding in many ways. As for my final episode, though, I, I thought last week we should spend it finishing our discussion on the gold rush and the technologies that were used. But the more I thought about it, I didn't want to end our exploration of Benicia history talking about dredging and finding golden rivers. So instead, I think we should wrap up my time here by exploring the beginnings of our great town and some of the important people that played a role in its history. Well, that's a great topic for this final episode, and it's probably a good way to fill in the holes we might have missed with the other podcast. Last week, I recall we mentioned Robert Semple, but never really got into who he actually was. And we also talked about the earlier Spanish influence in the Bay Area, but never really about Mariano Vallejo, who was, of course, essential to the founding of Benicia. Yeah, from my very recent interest in learning about the history of Benicia, I realized very quickly how little I knew of our origins. I did know, of course, growing up in Vallejo, the elementary facts and did you knows that every young person is told about their town growing up, of General Mariano Vallejo and his wife, Francisca Benicia, and how they were Mexican landowners. Well, they were not only Mexican landowners. Don Mariano Vallejo was a, a very prominent figure in the Alta California province of New Spain and subsequently Mexico, much like Concepcion and her family decades prior. His earlier ancestors in North America stretched all the way back to the times of Hernan Cortez and Christopher Columbus. Yeah, he definitely has an interesting story. He was born the eighth of 13 children in Monterrey in 1807 to a family of military men and civil servants, then common in Spanish California. In his teenage years, he worked as a clerk for an English merchant who taught him English, French, and Latin. You know, he sounds a bit like Reznov learning all of these languages. It must have been very beneficial for a privileged youth like Vallejo to communicate with people from all of these different countries. Yeah, undoubtedly. I, I could see these languages could give him that edge he needed in studying. You don't even know how much easier it would be if I could understand the original text of all the things I read. <laughs> anyway, Vallejo eventually served as the personal secretary to the new governor of Alta California, Luis Arguello, who is funnily enough the brother of Benicia's very own Concepcion. You know, that makes sense, as I'm sure that families like Concepcion's and Vallejo's knew each other quite well, considering how few people lived in Alta California at the time. Yeah, I can see why they did. And they must have been quite close as Arguello enrolled Vallejo as a cadet in 1824 and eventually promoted him to a corporal. Along with his further military promotions, Arguello also promoted Vallejo to the Deputacion, which was the territorial legislature. That seems like quite the rise in authority. How old was he at the time? By the time he became commander of the Presidio of San Francisco in 1833, he was only 26. But this prestigious position gave him much wealth and political capital. In 1835, two years later, he laid out the town of Sonoma. That same year, he was appointed a commandante of the 4th Military District and director of colonization of the Northern Frontier, which was the highest military command in Northern California. 
So what were his uh, main objectives in carrying out this new command? Now, what I found cool, because it connects back to the story of Rezanov and Concepcion again, Vallejo actually began the construction of the Presidio of Sonoma to counter the Russian presence emanating at Fort Ross, which, of course, was established with the help of Rezanov and his military expedition. Vallejo wasn't necessarily hostile to every group that wanted to settle in its territory, right? I mean, otherwise, Benicia would not have been established. No, Vallejo was definitely amicable to those who wanted to settle in northern frontiers of California. In fact, a series of blunders from the Mexican government led Vallejo to believe that California would be better off if it wasn't necessarily ruled from Mexico City. Vallejo met with and encouraged skilled colonists from the United States and even granted passports to detain immigrants. Now, that is interesting. Did Vallejo join the rebels against Mexico in the Bear Flag Revolt of 1846? Not initially, although he was sympathetic to their cause. He was still a distinguished gentleman general and considered much of the revolt as lowlife rebellion instead of an American conquest. It's best described in his words, and I quote, If the men who hoisted the bear flag had raised the flag that Washington sanctified by his abnegation and patriotism, there would have been no war on the Sonoma frontier, for all of our minds were prepared to give a brotherly embrace to the sons of the great republic whose enterprising spirit had filled us with admiration. Ill-advisedly, however, as some say, or dominated by a desire to rule without let or hindrance, as others say, they placed themselves under the shelter of a flag that pictured a bear, an animal that we took as the emblem of rapine and force. This mistake was the cause of all the trouble, for when the Californians saw parties of men running over their plains and forests under the bear flag, they thought that they were dealing with robbers and took the steps they thought most effective for the protection of their lives and property, end quote. By the end of the conflict, though, Vallejo demonstrated his allegiance to the United States when he was convinced to persuade the wealthy Californios to accept the new American rule, and he actually played an active role in the new government. I find that quote so interesting, and I think that it's a, a very good representation of what a learned and forceful leader Vallejo was. So I guess during this time, this is when Vallejo granted land to Robert Semple. And I'm assuming that he was one of those skilled colonists that Vallejo so desperately wanted for Northern California. That's right. Vallejo granted half of the interest to Dr. Robert B. Semple, who was a dentist, journalist, and eventually a politician from Kentucky that moved west over the California Trail. He partnered up with Thomas O. Larkin, who owned the other half of the interest. Do we know if there was some sort of exchange of, of money with this land grant? Yes, it was $100, which is only about $3,000 today. Another surprisingly small amount of money for such a large amount of land, which seems to be common in North American history. One further agreement was that the town would bear the name of Leo's wife, although they originally initially agreed on Francisca. The settlement of Yerba Buena was already named to San Francisco, so they settled on Benicia. A very beautiful name, I would add. Yes, I agree. So what happened to Larkin and Semple after they founded Benicia? What did they do? Benicia, of course, would boom in the following years due to the gold rush and the entrance of California into the Union. And while Semple would own a ferry company operating from San Francisco to the East Bay, Larkin would eventually sell his shares and move to San Francisco, where the rest of his businesses were. This period in California history is full of men such as Semple and Larkin, laying the foundations for future towns throughout the state, something they would find incredible financial success in. Yeah, I know Robert Semple certainly found a lot of success. I mean, his ferry service in particular made him a lot of money during the height of the gold rush. 
since Phoenicia was a stopping point, an important one, for immigrants. Yeah, other than the low price and naming the town after his wife, Foya also sold the land under the condition that there would be a ferry service between Benicia and Martinez. This would, of course, put Benicia in an extremely strategic position to profit from the rush of immigrants and prospectors. Before he achieved fame in the Civil War, actually, William T. Sherman is quoted saying that Benicia was the best natural site for a commercial city in the region. Well, I think that's a great way to end your podcast series, the establishment of Benicia and the foundations that our great town is built on today. It's a shame you're leaving and can't do more of these podcasts, Dean. I'm sorry, but I'm definitely ready to go back to school. I've been here in Benicia since March. Well, we all wish you the best of luck with your studies. So what are you studying in your final year? So, yeah, I'll be trying to finish up my undergrad studies. I'm currently double majoring in political science and history. I'll also be serving as president of my fraternity, Sigma Chi, for my second term. So things are definitely going to be different due to COVID, but I'm sure we can get through it. Well, Dean, this sounds like a fantastic year. I actually envy you. (laughs) Um, I can't imagine anything more inspiring than to be in that environment and studying those subjects. Maybe we can get you back next summer. Of course. So, and one last time, thank you to Elizabeth for exploring these topics with me. You can check the museum website archives online at www.beniciahistoricalmuseum.org for podcast images and narratives, and be sure to visit the museum at 2060 Camel Road when it reopens. If you wish, donate online, and be sure to like us on Facebook. Remember, the history of California is written in the story of Benicia.